3: Hey, what's up? I'm Steve Carney, Rays Insider for Tampa Bay Sports Radio 95.3 WDAE and AM620. I'd like to thank you for checking out today's episode of the Inside Pitch Podcast. It's our daily look at the Tampa Bay Rays and the news and the events that affect both the team and the rest of Major League Baseball. Do me a favor in whatever platform you're using to listen to today's show. Hit the subscribe button. It is free. It helps us help you never miss a day of the show. And if you're listening on iTunes, please feel free to leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us immensely try and find as many Rays fans as possible. Also, if you are on uh, social media, make sure that you follow us. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at InsidePitchPod. And any questions you have for me, or if you have a question that you want to ask a player through me, because I'm glad to be your conduit. Uh, send me an email. The address is insidepitchpod at gmail.com. We have the Inside Pitch Radio Show, which gets going an hour before first pitch of every Rays game, Monday through Saturday, and two hours before every Sunday Rays contest. Let's get today's show going. This is the Inside Pitch Podcast. Now, your host, Steve Carney. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Coming up on today's show, one of the things that you have asked for in order to try and get the attendance up at Tropicana Field has come to fruition. Discounted tickets coming to Rays baseball games here in St. Petersburg. But we will begin with Monday evening as we welcomed four new players into the Rays organization on day one of the Major League Baseball Draft. I happened to be at Tropicana Field for day one of the proceedings and got a chance to talk to both uh, the Rays Director of Scouting, Rob Metzler, and the first pick of the Rays in the first round, Greg Jones, an infielder from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. And you'll hear both of those conversations coming up here in just a moment. But I want to give you my thoughts on uh, what the Rays did in day one of the draft. I thought that they were pretty smart in everything that they did uh, for uh, the four picks that they had going early and getting a college shortstop from uh, a smaller college and a smaller conference. Uh, they go out and pick up Greg Jones from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. And, you know, it may not be an SEC or an ACC or a Pac-12 school, but uh, UNC Wilmington has been a very good team in its conference. They play in the Colonial Athletic Association, and Jones was probably the best player, not just on his team, but he was probably the best player in the conference. Uh, You're talking about a guy that hit 340. Uh, This year and uh, while he uh, did not have uh, a whole lot of home run power, he led the league and uh, led his team in both triples and walks and runs scored on base percentage and stolen bases. This is a guy who's fast uh, and he certainly can get around uh, the bags easily. Uh, you know, he stole 42 bases in 63 games. Uh, he hit nine triples uh, in that stretch, like I said, 341. A- and he also had uh, 76 hits and uh, 70 walks. So he got on base a lot. I think his on base percentage, if I remember correctly, 491. So he was getting on base almost half the time. And you want a guy like that in your organization. Uh, he's, uh, like I said, a, a draft eligible. Uh, sophomore, so he is uh, 21, he's a little older, and so you find yourself with a guy that uh, has already started uh, to develop. I know that Ray's director of scouting, Rob Metzler, had said that their area and regional scouts had been looking at Greg since he was in high school, and uh, they thought that it was best for him to go to college and get a little bigger, get a little stronger, and then uh, try his chances as a professional. It looks like that's going to be the case. And I know that they certainly believe that he is a guy that they should be able to sign rather quickly and get him into uh, his professional days uh, playing in this organization. So I would assume that we'll have an announcement pretty soon that he has signed his uh, entry deal with the Rays. And so, and then he'll be reporting to uh, the team's facility down in Port Charlotte before uh, I would assume because he is a college player that they would uh, send him straight to Hudson Valley uh, and the New York Penn League to uh, play for the uh, Hudson Valley Renegades and uh, get his professional days going in that realm and then uh, we'll see where we go from there, because he's a college guy, I would assume that he will go that way and not have to go to, like, the Gulf Coast League or the Appalachian League. Uh, you go right into Hudson Valley, and then uh, if that goes well, you'll be playing in full season A-ball to start uh, the 2020 season. That's exactly what you want to see out of a guy like Greg Jones. With their second pick, they go and they get a young Right-handed pitcher from Texas, J.J. Goss, who plays at Cypress Ranch High School in Cypress, Texas. He was uh, one of two uh, big right-handed pitchers that were taken from the same high school uh, in the uh, first couple of rounds, and uh, they really like... This guy, and you'll hear what uh, what Rob has to say about J.J. Goss coming up here in a minute, and then going back to college for the last two pitchers. They take Seth Johnson out of Campbell University in North Carolina, a guy who was basically just converted to be a pitcher. That they really uh, like what they see out of him, and then John, Dos- John Doxakis. John is uh from Texas A&M they finally go with a big conference player uh and uh go out and get a uh, another left-handed pitcher from college another guy that they feel uh can uh contribute in a quicker fashion than some of these guys uh like JJ Goss who is more of a long-term project and and a guy that you would like to see Uh, You know, five years down the road as opposed to three years down the road with some of these college guys. But let's get right into uh, the comments from Ray's director of scouting, Rob Metzler, who met after the end of the second round to let us know about the four guys that they took.
0: Rob, I guess if you could just provide a general overview and the feeling of the room, you know,
3: we thought it was a very
4: positive outcome for the organization. We were very prepared for any scenario that could come our way. Uh, due to the great work of our scouting staff, our analyst team, front office as a whole, I thought worked very well together and yielded a result that we thought was outstanding to get Greg Jones in the first round, you know, talented, athletic, you know, speed, you know, power. I mean, I wouldn't really good, well-rounded skill set in the middle of the field to get JJ Goss, a high school right-hander who we feel very strongly about athleticism, arm speed, you know, three pitch mix, ability to use that stuff, you know, uh, was a great outcome for us. Seth Johnson's a unique college pitcher, and he has a shorter track record. He's been, you know, this is his first year of full-time pitching, but in terms of arm action, delivery, body type, he, you know, really fulfills all the things we're looking for in a young starting pitching prospect. And then to get John Doxakis, I just call him Dox. I don't know him yet that well, but, you know, I call him Dox because the name's a little tough. Uh, but he's a tested, strong, you know, SEC left hander, you know, size, really good command, ability to pitch to both sides with weapons, you know, fastball, slider, change up. We were thrilled with that outcome.
1: Well, obviously, you guys are projecting, but with Johnson, I know he struggled a little bit last year. But what what did you guys like that made you comfortable? Making,
4: making that I, the physical ingredients. You know, it, we saw somebody who, you know, as I mentioned, you know, size, arm action, body type, and pitches in place, you know, just in terms of, you know, around the plate, probably you know, for somebody who was, we looked more at the positive of somebody who was in his first full-time year of pitching, how well he did, how great his stuff was, how, you know, how the arm action delivery fit for, you know, long-term role. Uh, We we looked at that more, you know, understanding we, eyes open that, you know, in his college season, you know, we we saw, we saw the results, the positives and the negatives, so, but we looked more at the ingredients than the actual game-by-game results.
1: And you see him as a starter versus, I mean, yeah, obviously we, high end we, stuff.
4: We Do see him, really? him as a starting pitching prospect, correct.
1: How much does just having these these picks bunched up, especially in the, the top 40 there, um, how much does that help maybe some of the signability of some of these guys, especially with Goss because he's committed to Texas A&M?
4: I think they're all unique. You know, I, I think they're all unique cases. We're optimistic about getting these guys all in, in the organization. Uh, but, I, again, it, I guess it helps to have you know flexibility. You know it helps to have, have the bonus pool. At the same time, it's you know my my phone was ringing quite a bit, trying to get everything tight tidied up, and it's it's not easy. You could, you have a bunch of balls in the air and trying to trying to pick the right one and make sure you have the the deal secure is is, is a challenge for sure. And
1: then with Goss, obviously a lot of 24th you know, ranked. And I know you don't look at those, those yeah. things, but yeah. kind of highly a guy, but you
4: like from him? Athleticism, arm speed, good size, you know, fastball slider changeup we think all project as real major league, you know, pitches, you know, some ranging from 50 to, to true 60s on, on our sc- scouting scale and an ability to use them, you know, really advanced ability to use them and compete. You know, he, uh, from last summer through, you know, f- really from, you know, he, from a season last spring, he had another prospect on his team last spring. So there were three, big pitching prospects at Cy si Ranch. We, we were pretty aware of what was going on. And you know, he impressed us with his ability, you know, not just stuff, not just physical ingredients, but his ability to compete was really impressive to us.
1: And on Doc Sackis, how much, I know he had a very good year this year, but the outing he had in the tournament last year, opposite Casey Mize.
4: I, I, complete package. I mean, we, single outings are <laughs> are great, but we looked at the collective whole of, of his of his career, and, and it was really a, a plus. And again, somebody who has good stuff and has shown us the ability to compete at the highest level of amateur baseball, we're we're thrilled to have him.
3: Rob, how much is the the conference play, especially for the for the three uh, college guys? You know, you got two guys from smaller conferences, and then Doc Doczak is from the SEC. is Is there any is there any uh, do you put any extra weight on the conference as opposed to, uh, you know, the SEC versus like the Colonial, or, or, uh, or we
4: we have a team of analysts who do a lot putting weight on on the different you know strength of schedule that the, that the teams play. So yeah, it, it it matters certainly. You know, each conference. You know, there's good players in all conferences throughout the country, but the, you know, something that we valued in, in John. Doc you know his his ability, the success that he had in the SEC was something we valued for sure.
1: Did the way day one went? Did that uh, you know just with all a lot of college guys, not as many high school guys? Did that did that go as as you expected? Or... I'm
4: thinking. I'm just I'm I just see baseball players. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so was, we had three college guys and one high school. It's so hard to predict. So you know we we look at the board and we line them up as best we could. You know, I'm sure there are scenarios that we could have ended up with all high school players and scenarios that we could have ended up with all college players, you know, really a function of what's available when, when you select and we're, we're happy with the outcome
3: at his race director of scouting, Rob Metzler. You should not be surprised that he is happy with all four selections that he was able to make on Monday. The draft gets going again Today, they will have rounds 3 through 10, and the Rays have one pick in each of those rounds. So, they'll make uh, eight more picks today, and then tomorrow, they will have rounds 11 through 40, and uh, we'll have a huge glut of uh, players here uh, that the team has selected tomorrow. Uh, We'll see just how many of the 43 players that they selected, were able to draft this season. They're able to get signed. You would like to see as close to ninety percent as possible. Sometimes you make it to that number. Sometimes you don't. But uh, we'll see just how many of these guys are able to get signed. But let's hear now from the first of those picks taken 22nd overall as i mentioned out of the colonial athletic association's university of north carolina at wilmington here is infielder greg jones
0: hey greg it's uh, josh tolentino with the athletic i guess you know we can hear um some of the party in the background just what what what's your emotions feeling like now and you know what what was it like when you got the call
2: i mean i was extremely excited man this has always been a dream of mine since i was a little kid to so. Just seeing how like how my hard work's paid off is really a blessing.
1: Hey Greg, it's Juan Treu with, with MLB.com. We've obviously read a, a little bit about you, but can explain to us what type of player you are. Obviously, we know a lot about your speed.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely obviously 80 grade speed, so I always bring speed to the table. That's my best attribute about myself. But you know, quick, quick twitch guy I can hit from both sides of the plate. Good range in the infield with a strong arm, you know, I love the game of baseball, so I'm going to play it at my hardest at any level I'm at. What was your excitement,
1: uh, this is Neil with the, the Race Radio Network, what was your excitement level, Greg, when the race picked you?
2: I mean, excitement was, it was honestly overwhelming, I didn't know what to do at the, mo- at the moment, kind of stunned, because like I said before, it's just been my dream since I was a kid, so like you never believe of anything like this ever happening. But you know, once your dream comes true, it's like, wow, like you really did this.
1: Hey, Greg, this is Ed Zien at the Tampa Bay Times. You know, most of the the latest mock showed you kind of going in the early 20s. You know, once it reached that number, did, did you think that, you know, this was right around the, right around the time where you might get picked? Say
2: that again?
1: Just the... You know, a lot of the mock, the latest mock drafts had you selected in the uh, in the low twenties. Uh, the latest ones, it, was that kind of what you expected? And when, when the low twenties kind of came around, did, did you think that that this might be the, the time where your your name gets called?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Once take twenty came up, I was like, I, don't know, I think this is time where I should. You know, twenty one went by. Well, twenty went by first. Twenty one went by, and I'm like, all right, all right, we'll see. You know, I get the call from Lee at 22, and I'm like, Rays picked me up, I'm like, wow. And it's just, the excitement was overwhelming.
1: Did Did you think the Rays were gonna get you at 22? Did you had, kind of have a, an idea, maybe that that might be the spot?
2: Uh, the, a little idea, but I thought that maybe the Braves, because last month, Jeff yeah, had me going to the Braves at 21. But when I saw they picked up Shoemaker, I thought, I mean, who was the next guy in line?
0: <laughs> hey greg it's it's Josh again at the athletic uh, could you just give us a little description of you know are you back in carolina or, or do you have a little party and get together with your family? um what are the details uh you know where were you at when the when the pick came through?
2: uh yeah, I'm back home in my house in Cary, North Carolina. Just had my family over a couple friends that I went to in high school that would always be there for me so they so you could see the moment with me, you know it's just amazing.
0: And then a follow-up on that, uh, you know, we, we talked to, you know, Rob here with, with the Rays. Um, do you remember when they first got out and saw you and just, you know, how much contact they've, you know, kept kept with you over the past few months, um, years?
2: Yes, sir. I mean, just like, definitely back, back in my old days, I was not the type of player I am now, but I'm glad that you guys trusted it, got the, well, had guys to trust in me and, Trust in my process and see what kind of player I turn into.
0: Great, Justin Granite with CBS Tampa was looking at your uh, Twitter videos. It looked like you were working on a little combine uh, video with the vertical and the and the high jump. Uh, just talk to your athleticism, I and mean, did you play other sports growing up? If so, what sports?
2: Honestly, no. I was a baseball-only player, so that's what I did year-round, working only crafting my baseball craft, so i never had time to play any other sports
0: and just to follow up to that. Athleticism and speed question. Could you compare your speed to maybe a guy who's in the league right now?
2: Uh, I could probably say D Gordon.
0: Have you ever met D had any conversations with him?
2: I have not. I wish (laughs) though.
1: Hey Greg, the, the race kind of talked about we asked where you kind of project and the one thing they said that you know they, they see you as kind of a middle of the field kind of player, whether that's a shortstop or possibly center field, you know, kind of remains to be seen. How do you see yourself projecting? I mean, do you consider yourself, you know, a, a shortstop once once you you move up through the through the ranks, or would you be open to kind of, you know, testing it out in, in center field? How how do you see your future position wise?
2: Well, I'd like to try to stay a shortstop long as possible because I just I love the position, love going in the holes, making plays. And if I could find someone that helped me perfect my craft as shortstop, I'd love to be a at elite shortstop in the future, but you know if things like obviously don't fall in that in that way, I'd be totally fine playing this in the field. I think I could make, make a big impact out there as well.
3: And Jones is a legitimate 80-speed guy. Uh, We'll see if he is able to get the fundamentals down at shortstop as a professional, but uh, I think that you could see him as a middle infielder, whether it's a shortstop or a second base, or you could see him in center field because he really does have that good of a range, and he really is that fast. He's a guy that uh, really can pick him up and put him down, so uh, I know that they really like him. Uh, the, his ability to be able to play in the middle of the diamond. So we'll see where he goes uh, when he does sign and uh, what they do have planned for him as things unfold uh, through the rest of this year and into 2020. That's when we'll really know what they expect from from a guy like Greg Jones. Because you got to remember, B.J. Upton, number two overall pick back in 2002, he spent five years as an infielder, uh, they really wanted to work hard to try and see if he really could cut it as an infielder. Turns out he he just wasn't cut out to play shortstop, and uh, so they moved him to center field, and he really took off. I mean, it helped him into a a, a giant deal when uh, when he left the Rays, and it's uh, set him up. For the rest of his life. So uh, it was good to see BJ. He was actually the Rays' representative last night at the draft and uh, it was great to see him uh, on television. So uh, maybe if if we can get uh, a comparison like BJ Upton out of a Greg Jones, I, I think that's not a bad thing to have. 18 plus. And through all the news in the draft on Monday, the Rays also made another signing of a familiar face as they bring back left-hander Vidal Nuno. Nuno signing a minor league contract. He will report to Triple A Durham. Of course, Vidal spent 2018 with the Rays organization, starting in Durham, but then did come up. To the big club and uh, was rather effective at the major league level last year, but then hurt his hamstring uh, while playing in an extra inning game down in Miami, uh, legging out a double of all things. He had two big hits in a uh, was like a sixteen inning game against the Marlins, uh, and uh, he was uh, a big part of that. Unfortunately, his hamstring uh, he he injured his hamstring in that game and uh, ended up missing some significant time. Afterwards, But uh, you want to talk about a great clubhouse guy and, and a guy that uh, a lot of these guys are familiar with and it'll be uh, good to see him get back into shape down in Durham and he becomes yet another uh, piece that Tampa Bay can use depth wise uh, to uh, to be a part of this club. So uh, I really think that it's a smart move. Uh, a really good player and a great clubhouse guy. You can't have too many of those. So it is good to have Vidal back with the organization. And finally today, the Rays have listened and uh, they have responded to one of the requests that you have had to try and get some more people into Tropicana Fields. There was talk that uh, earlier this year about the Minnesota Twins uh, releasing a number of tickets to be sold at a $7 price point, and uh, the question was, why don't the Rays do something like that? Well, it turns out the Rays have decided to uh, do that. Starting today, there is a flash sale going on uh, where you can buy uh, up to eight tickets in certain sections for $5 a piece. Uh, now, of course, there are still fees that uh, apply to them, but uh, those fees are uh, have been reduced to a dollar per ticket and a dollar fifty per order, which means that uh, if you buy two tickets in uh, that uh, reduced pricing section, Uh, it would cost you $13.50. These tickets are normally like $17 a piece. And and so to get two of them for the price of less than one, I think it's a good deal. Uh, But the the deal is going to run out very quickly. There is a limited number of tickets. Uh, I believe they said it's limited to 5,000 tickets in certain areas. So you definitely want to be a part of, if you want to come over and come to the trop. Be a part uh, of, of what's been a very good team. Get a chance to see them in person and to do it at a reduced cost. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a good start for the Rays trying to put some more butts in the seats. Uh, you know, th- it seems like there are so many things that people say. Uh, you know, oh, I won't. You know, they need to do this or they need to do that. You know, and the Rays have done the things that the fans have asked. Put a winning product on the field, sign the stars to long-term deals. Uh, you know they they've gotten everything that they uh, everything that they can have under their own power that they have control over. They have looked to do, and now they've uh, they said, "Well, if you do something like do a flash sale like the Twins did, and, and I'll buy tickets." Well, now they're doing that. I know that that I say, you know, you, you got to stop moving the bar. You can't keep moving the bar. You have to credit the Rays for what they are doing uh, to try and get you to to come to the ballpark. Is you know Tropicana Field the greatest place to see a ball game? Absolutely not. Uh, And you'll make no bones uh, about that. It's old. It's an older stadium. It's one of the oldest stadiums uh, in the American League. I mean, it's not quite Fenway, and it's not quite. Wrigley Field, but you think about it, there aren't that many uh, ballparks in Major League Baseball that are older than Tropicana Field. I mentioned two of them, Dodger Stadium, uh, Angel Stadium in Anaheim, Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Uh, those, I think, are it uh, when it comes to uh, parks that are older than Tropicana Field that are used for baseball. That being said, it's not a bad place to see a baseball game. It's, it's just not. The sight lines are good. Uh, the amenities are, are good, especially on the lower level. If you're in the 100 level, they've got a boatload of new stuff there and I know I saw people uh, on the comments in Mark Topkins' article uh, on TampaBay.com saying you got to you got to open up the upper deck and then I'll show up. They don't have the upper deck open because they can't have the same amenities in the upper deck that they have in the 100 and the 200 levels. Plus, that's where the Friolator caught fire at the beginning of last year. Uh, you don't want you don't want another one of those happening in the upper deck. It's part of the reason why they don't have the upper deck open right now. But take advantage. Raisedbaseball.com has all the information for this flash sale of five dollar tickets. That'll do it for today's show. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform. That you're listening to today's show, be it iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, doesn't matter. Hit subscribe. Don't miss a day of the show. Email me your questions, InsidePitchPod at gmail.com. And also follow us on social media. Uh, We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at InsidePitchPod. The Inside Pitch Radio Show gets going at 6 o'clock tonight as the Rays open a three-game series at Comerica Park taking on the Detroit Tigers with Blake Snell on the hill against former Rays farmhand Ryan Carpenter. I'm Steve Carney. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Inside Pitch Podcast.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty,